Hello and welcome. You've tuned into the School of Ministry podcast. Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later, you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today. Feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson. And in verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. And notice, that is an imperative. Let him ask of God. That's not optional. It's it's mandatory. It's a command. He's saying, do this. This is what you're doing. Just like, you know, the scripture says, pray without ceasing. That's a command. That's an imperative. That's something we need to be doing in our life. And trials are intended to drive us to a dependency on God, to Him. So let trouble drive you to God. Let trouble drive you to prayer. Isn't that what he's saying? When trials come, let it drive you to prayer. And can I suggest that to you if you're going through a deep trouble in your life and it's not enriched your prayer life, it hasn't driven you to the throne of God, then maybe then that trouble, we need to really see that what we need to begin to do, how we really need to begin to practice that. Not human resources. When sometimes we get left to that only means of support, the true believer in the test is going to know that he needs wisdom and he cries out to God. There's no hope in this world. He can not be restrained from crying out to God. That's why James chapter 5, verse 16 says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. It does so much good. Why? Because God answers prayer. God hears. And he gives the illustration of Elijah in chapter 5. A man who is subject to like passions. I like that. Elijah was not Superman. He was like you and I. And so what does it do? He earnestly prays that it might not rain. Sometimes we think, well, Elijah was such a great prophet, he just walked with the Lord and he said, Lord, don't let it rain. No, but the idea is that he prayed and he prayed and he sought God and he asked God and it did not rain for three and a half years because he earnestly prayed. You see the idea of that? Sometimes we're in a trial, sometimes we're in that place, and God is bringing us to that place where we'll earnestly seek Him because God answers prayer. God responds. And the source of wisdom is there if we go to Him. Verse 5, let him ask of God, who does what? Who gives to all liberally. Who gives to all liberally. That talks about the character of God, doesn't it? The character of God, it is God who is generous, who is a God of grace. He is gracious. He desires to pour out those things which we desire. Proverbs 2 says, So that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thy heart to understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. 
for the Lord gives wisdom. And out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. You see, God has it available. He wants to give it to you if you're seeking and you have a seeking heart. But there's a sense in which he holds back until we come and we ask. And we're demonstrating our dependence on him. We're demonstrating our love, our trust. That we know that it is God that's the giver of every good gift. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give to you an expected end. And the, in other words, to give to you what's beneficial. Then shall you call on me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken unto you, and you shall seek me, and you will find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. And I will be found by you, saith the Lord. Now the word liberally, it's a marvelous Greek word. In the Greek language, it's hapless. And it means unconditionally. It means there's no bargaining going on here. We don't have to go and bargain with God and say, Lord, I'll be really good this week if you'll give me wisdom. Lord, I'll do this. I'll work for you. I'll do that. No bargaining. God gives it freely. He gives it generously. It's like Matthew chapter 7 where he says, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks receives, and he who seeks findeth. And to him that knocks it will be opened. And what man is there of you, if whom his son asks bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks a fish, will he give him a serpent? You then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father who is in heaven give good gifts to them that ask Him? You see, the promise is there. The promise is there that God answers prayer. So when you're going through a trial, when you're going through a difficulty, and when you go through it, we go to God in prayer, and God doesn't barge in. And we're not bargaining with God. He doesn't lay out conditions. He gives it freely. He gives it generously. The wisdom that you need to understand how to respond in the trial. He gives it so that you know how you should act. And then he also adds in verse 5, and I love the old King James, and abradeth not. He abradeth not. My new King James says that he gives to all liberally and without reproach. Now, I've got my grandkids here, and I'm so glad to have the kids here. I've got both my daughters here, and they'll tell you, if they left their toys out and didn't pick it up, we had a bag of doom. If they didn't pick up, the toy went into the bag of doom. And I've talked about this in the past. And you don't get that until you learn, okay, we're going to pick it up. That's upbraiding. That's reproach. Because you didn't do something, now it's going to be taken away. You see, and that's exactly what God says, I'm not going to do. If you didn't use Wisdom in the last trial, if you didn't ask God before, that's okay. I'm still going to give it generously. A child that leaves his bike out in the driveway and you've told him, I pick up that bike, pick up that bike. If you don't pick it up, I'm going to put it away. I'm going to take it away from you. And then you drive in and there's the bike. And you got to, okay, I better follow through. And you have to put it. That's a braiding. God says, I'm not going to do that. If you didn't use it, that's all right. So 
He gives liberally, generously, without reservation. And so now is the negative. Have you noticed James gives us the positive and then he gives us the negative all the way through. So the negative form of this previous statement that he gives liberally, but he doesn't hold it back. If you didn't use it, he's not going to hold it back from you. So there's no variableness nor shadow of turning with him. That's a little bit later in verse 17. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. There's no variableness, no shadow of turning with him. He gives and he gives and he gives. That's his nature. He's a giving God. And he gives sincerely. He gives it without hesitation. He gives it without any mental reservations. He does not give it reluctantly. That's what this means. He isn't saying, well, I shouldn't be doing to this. shouldn't be letting you get by with this. No, I'm going to do it. And I hope that you keep coming and asking of me. I hope that you understand that I am a gracious and a loving God. He isn't playing games with us. He isn't saying, well, you really aren't worthy. He isn't reminding you of how undeserving we are. He is a good God and He's giving and He just keeps giving. That's what James is telling us here. Nothing held back. If you lack wisdom, you're commanded to ask God who gives to all men freely, liberally. He holds back nothing. And when you ask this, we come to the verse, end of verse 5. Glory, you mean we'll finish one verse? (laughs) It shall be given him. Hi, let me interrupt very quickly to let you know and update you with some information. You can contact us at schoolofministryresources.org, all runs together, or contact me personally at all at landmarkstockton.com. We also have online services on Facebook at Landmark Stockton that all runs together. Or if you're interested in our church history sessions, you can look on YouTube under Landmark Stockton, two separate words in that place. We'd love to send you information and we're always so glad to hear from our listeners. So please feel free to contact us and we'll write back to you. Thank you. Now back to our podcast. It says, no wisdom, beloved, (laughs) this is a promise. No wisdom needed for the believers to persevere through a trial is ever withheld from the believer, the child of God that asks. It's not going to hold it back. No wisdom needed to persevere through a trial is ever held back. Sometimes we don't ask. We do everything but ask. And sometimes we ought to be found on our knees crying out to God from our hearts to give us direction. And I love in Psalm 81.10 it says, I am the Lord thy God who brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Isn't that a wonderful promise? God wants to provide every needed resource for a believer when we're in the middle of the trial. Now, what this means, and I've been saying this, is that we persevere through prayer. We endure through dependent prayer, casting ourselves on God because we recognize that God's doing something for us. If you remember in Mark chapter 14, the disciples were there. Jesus was praying in the Mount of Olives. And he told the disciples, verse 38, Watch and pray, lest you enter into trial. It's the same word that we found in verse 2, parisimos. 
watch and pray. It's that same word. He's saying the same thing. So that you don't fall into trials or troubles. And then once you're in it and you do fall into a trial, make sure that it doesn't turn into that temptation by throwing yourself into dependency on God. Saying, I'm going to completely depend because we endure through prayer if we ask of God. But now notice verse 6. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. So there's a condition to this kind of ask. But let him ask in faith. In other words, believe. Be confident. Our prayers ought to be in genuine trust. Now, having described a willing father, like we did, James now looks at kind of an awaiting son, an understanding waiting child. And if there's a lack of wisdom, it's not God's fault, it's our fault. And if you don't understand your trial, you're pining away, you don't understand why different things have happened, why, why my car is on the blink. Why have I lost this loved one? Why? That brother was so dear. My wife died. My husband died. Or I got a disease. I don't know why I've been hit with this financial problem. I don't know why I've been hit with this economic problem or housing problem or job problem or anything that causes an anxiety of heart. And we don't understand why it is we're going through that. And when we're going through trials and we can't understand why, We've got to really come back and ask God and ask Him for wisdom and seek Him with our whole heart. And if you asked and you still don't know, then maybe we have to look at, am I asking in faith? Am I really asking in faith as God wants me? Perhaps what we prayed was insincere. In James, in the fourth chapter, he's going to talk about those that pray because they want to consume it on themselves. They want to consume it on their own lust. So are you really asking in honest faith, believing with all your heart that God can and will answer? In 1 Timothy 2 and 8, he says, to pray without wrath or doubting. So are we doubting whether God can really help? Are we doubting and disputing, arguing with God? Now, I'm so glad God doesn't take me into His confidence. Because I keep coming up with all kinds of plans and say, Lord, we can do it this way. And you know what? That's kind of disputing God. And that has the idea of wavering. Let him ask in faith, not wavering. It's not my idea. Lord, if you'll just take my ideas or my plan, this is what you ought to be doing. No! The word wavering means to doubt, to dispute, to debate. And there are some people that want to doubt God or doubt that God could even give them the answer. There are some people who doubt that God can just do what He's promised to do. Or they want to argue. Want to argue with God about why He did what He did. And the prayers become a fight. Have you ever felt like you were fighting with God in your prayer life? But you're not to doubt the available supply of God. You're not to doubt. That's what He's telling us here. Do not doubt. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. The positive, ask in faith. The negative, without doubting. 
You see that? James is going to give that to us over and over. The positive and the negative. Unwavering faith is simply believing that God is able. It believes that God is loving. It believes that God will supply everything that's needed to understand the trial. And it goes to prayer to God, understanding who God is. That's the typical pattern that we go through sometimes in a trial. And instead of laying things At God's feet, it's easy to doubt. It's easy to think, well, if I could just do this, if I could do that. But we need to, as a child of God, just bring it to His feet. If you have faith and you do not doubt, remember in Matthew 21, Jesus came up to a fig tree and He cursed the fig tree. It died. It withered. And He told the disciples, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, be you removed... And it would be thrown into the sea. Now I think that's an allegory. Because sometimes our trials are great mountains. Sometimes our trials are huge. And that's all we can see. Now maybe God really meant, and I think that God could do that. God can take a mountain and throw it into the sea. He's done that. God is able. But I think in our lives we need to see sometimes that that mountain is an allegory for our trials. And God is able to take that trial and just move it. But we have to ask in faith and do not doubt. And you shall not only do that, as he said to the fig tree, but you shall say to that mountain, be removed. So Jesus is essentially saying, qualified faith moves the muscles of God's omnipotence. God's muscles that he can do anything. Now that's not a blank check. You cannot... Pray and ask God to consume it upon your own lust. You're not going to receive it unless it brings God glory, brings the Father glory. In John 14, 13 and 14, that's what it tells us. The praying disciples, though, did see the power of God in their lives. And when you see God work suddenly, dramatically, as the disciples saw Jesus, and you can see God working the same in your life. You can see God doing it. He's still the same God. But that mustard seed of faith, it starts small. And then your faith grows. Because as you've tried God, your faith gets stronger. And it grows into that great tree. It perseveres. It grows large. And you see the great answers that God brings through answering prayer. And so it brings wisdom for every needed trial. What a promise. What a great thing that we have. Believing that God allowed it for a purpose and that it's right and recognizing that He is doing something that is amazing. You see, that's the wisdom that God gives. That it's better than we could ever have imagined that we could endure in this trial. And the negative side is also here. And he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. The wavering person is like that surging, billowing sea. Have you ever seen the sea that's going back and forth? It's tossed to and fro. Do you remember in Joshua's day? Joshua had to call the people and say, Choose you this day whom you're going to serve. Are you going to serve the gods that our forefathers served on the other side of the river? Are you going to serve those gods? Elijah on the Mount Carmel, he asked the people, who are you going to believe? The Lord God or Baal? Who was going to be true God? Like those in Paul's day, there were some that were sacrificing to demons and then going to the Lord's table. 
They were double-minded. They were back and forth. How about in the book of Revelation and the church of Laodicea, they were lukewarm. They were in the world, but they were in church. They were this way and that way. That's what he's saying. Don't be wavering. That's why in verse 7 it says, Let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. Wow. Strong words. If you're wavering, if you're in the world, and I think, well, I'm going to be in the world, but I'm going to be in church, and I'm going to play this game, there is no sense that that person should suppose that God is going to answer. For the one who wavers in his trust is not solidly committed to the Lord. And maybe that's why the trials are there. So make them recognize and see that person. My King James says, that man... It characterizes sometimes an unbeliever, but sometimes in our unbelief as a child of God, sometimes we're weak, we're doubtful, and we act like the unbeliever. And that's a sad commentary. Verse 8 kind of sums it up. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Literally, it means two-minded. He vacillates back and forth. Double-minded, sinful man or woman. James 4 and 8 says, Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you who are double-minded. Double-minded is the idea of being a hypocrite. Two-faced. Having a face this way and having a face that way. And that person who says, Oh, I believe God. But when the trials come, they don't know what to do. They vacillate. And that's what it means here. As you're vacillating, you're going back and forth. In that case, they receive nothing. They're unstable in all of their ways. And the word means the idea of wavering is diakrononomai. means that we need to have a faith that does not doubt, that does not dispute, that does not debate, that we know that God is the giver and that we trust Him. Our prayers are not a fight. You don't doubt that God is able to do what He has promised to do. That He is able and He has the available power to be God. You're not debate to debate God. We're not to come back and see, well, maybe if, if it's this or that. Double-minded is di-sukos. Sukos is soul. Di is two. Two-souled. Two minds. Trusting and not trusting. Believing and not believing. And maybe you remember in James 4 and 4, it says, Friendship with the world is enmity with God. Loving the world and trying to love God at the same time, James just says, it's impossible. John Bunyan's book, Pilgrim's Progress, there was a man, a character there, and I'll close out with this, that was Mr. Facing Both Ways. Facing Both Ways. You see, we can't be facing two directions. We cannot be too sold. Mr. Facing Both Ways was unstable in all areas of life. Not some, but all. Can't stand the trials of life because he doesn't have enough faith in God. He doesn't have enough faith in God to go and seek the wisdom he desperately needs. And he, he just is a doubter. And that's the idea of this. His whole life is one of vacillation. That means he's unsettled. It's like 1 Corinthians 14.33. God is not the author of confusion. And that double-minded man is confused. His life is chaotic. It's unruly. And that's the way James over in chapter 3 and verse 8 is going to use it unruly. A person who is unsettled, vacillating. So from verse 5 through 8, let me just sum it up like this. 
When you go through a trial, when you go into a trial, the way to endure the trial is to receive God's divine wisdom. To go to God, to have confidence that He freely gives and never debates and never argues. He doesn't hold back anything, but He gives exactly what you need to endure the trial. But the condition is that your faith has to be real. That has to be an unwavering faith, not a troubled, not like the troubled sea. Because if you have a vacillating faith that trusts but doesn't trust, that believes but doesn't believe, you're caught in the middle and you'll not receive anything. In fact, such double-mindedness will make you unstable in every trial of life. So a believing heart genuinely believes and is persevering. A believing heart is one that's going to go on and on and on. Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.